Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the latest edition of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea, and today is my favorite kind of podcast because we're going to talk shit about Spurs. So, um, before we get into it, and uh, before I introduce my co-hosts, um, we would be remiss if we didn't mention um, the passing of club legend Jimmy Greaves, um, who unfortunately did pass away. Um, we actually got the news right before the Tottenham-Chelsea match, um, and I only think it was fitting that they were both playing each other uh, on that day, um, because let's not forget, he is also a Spurs legend as well. Unfortunately. Um, Unfortunately, he is, but he was also great for us. So um, he currently holds the record for most goals in a season for Chelsea Football Club at 41. Uh, a freakish goal scorer, freakish talent. Um, that record's been standing since 1961. So obviously, um, we pass our condolences uh, to his family and obviously the rest of the Chelsea community as well. Um, and also those in the Spurs community who are, who are also mourning. Um, so yeah, we got that out of the way. Um, but in happier news, or better news, we did get a package in from our good friend uh, Russ of the Melbourne Blues. And what that package contained, guys, we had uh, we had some hats custom made from Russ himself, all the way from Melbourne. Uh, what we're gonna do is uh, give away these hats to two of our lucky listeners. So in order to uh, make yourself eligible, all you will need to do is like and retweet our post um, and make sure that you tag three Chelsea friends uh, who may not have followed the pod already or who may not have listened to the pod already. So um, kill two birds with one stone. Make sure to like and retweet it and also tag those uh, three friends. And in the meantime, if you're not following us, you're fucking up. So make sure you do that too. Um, so that tweet's going to go out uh, shortly, probably right after we record here. And uh, we're actually going to be giving away both caps. Um, the first one, when we hit the 1,500 follower mark, and the second one, when we hit the 2,000 follower mark. So make sure you guys check out that post. If you're wondering what the hats are going to look like, I'm going to post pictures of them as well so you could get uh, get a first look. And, um, yeah, we'd love to give them away, and we'd love to get involved with some more of our listeners here. So um, diving into the actual podcast itself, I am joined by my two co-hosts. Uh, I'm going to switch things up this week and start with Andres, uh, who's been very busy with wedding planning as of late. Andres, <laughs> beat Spurs, Villa at the weekend, hat giveaway. How do you feel, man? Uh, amazing. We're top of the league. We demolished one of our rivals, if you even want to com consider them that, if we talk about competitiveness. But, yeah, feeling great. My uh, coaching season started back up, and my boys won their first game, I believe, seven nothing. So, I'm 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 pretty much coasting on cloud nine right now. Stopped counting after five. What about you, Sam? Hey, we're giving away two caps, no cap. Hey, you like that? <laughs> you like that? Uh, thank you guys, by the way, the two of you for waiting for me. I know you guys recorded uh, the Villa preview before we recorded this part so uh i'm sure whatever stupid things you guys said then i wanted to just give a disclaimer i i had no part in that conversation so uh just wanted to clear my air my, i mean clear my name out a little bit but 
we we predicted on your behalf, so I don't want to give it away. But uh, if you <laughs> was want it to a hear tie? Prediction. <laughs> no, that that, okay. that mojo that mojo ended last okay, season. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. I didn't want you guys to pick a tie on my behalf because it was a clean sweep. We all had the same prediction. That's all I'm gonna say. Because we haven't we haven't been tying as of late. I mean, we've been looking not not on our best form as of late, but we've still been pulling out wins in uh, our last three matches, including a uh, 3-0 victory against the Spurs, uh, which is honestly my favorite day of the year. Like you said, Zach, or, you know, however many times we play, those are my favorite days of the year. Um, three-point lane, baby. Three-point lane. <laughs> is, it, is, it still called, be- is it still called White Hart Lane? No, I don't, they don't know have what like it's a called, formal name. Well the new, there it's like the new White Hart Lane right now. They don't have like a sponsor or anything. White Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. White Turd Lane. Um. So, let's go through the starting lineups real quick. Chelsea three, Spurs nil. Um. So the first shocker uh of news was Kepa in goal, um with with um Mendy not even making the bench. Uh, I don't know if it was confirmed, but I'm assuming it was because of the kick that he received in the yeah. Champions League match. They confirmed that? Okay. Yeah, it was a knock. So nothing to worry about for the long term, hopefully. Um, back three of Rudiger, Thiago Silva, and Christensen. Uh, wing backs of Marcos Alonso, who fucking hates the Spurs. And Dave, uh, midfield pairing of Jovicic, a.k.a. Jorginho and Kovicic. Uh, and a front three of Havertz, Mount, and Lukaku. So return of that front three. Um, let's start off talking about Tommy Tuchel, a.k.a. Tommy Tactics. Because he... <laughs> I like that. A.k.a. He, Tommy Terrific. <laughs> he is the reason, I think, in my opinion, that we won this match. And I, we don't even need to talk about the first half, I think, because it was it was pretty poor on both ends. Uh, for both teams, and then the mid the halftime switch with uh, bringing bringing on N'Golo Kante for was it Mason Mount right yeah who had a poor performance and then switching up to the three five two rather than a three four three so Matt, because we were, we were getting dominated in the midfield mm-hmm. but um, just matching up the three in the midfield it it completely changed the game around. Tommy Tommy Tactics, aka Tommy Terrific, unbeaten in six straight away matches against the big six sides. He has his uh, Chelsea under his reign has more clean sheets than goals conceded. So fifteen clean sheets, fourteen goals conceded since he came in. Absolutely ridiculous. Only only we've only conceded one goal today I mean, this season, and it wasn't out of open play. It was off a penalty. Um, it, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this is a long preamble to this kind of question, but it, it was it was necessary information to lead into this. Zach is Tommy Tuchel, aka T- Tommy Tactics, aka Tommy Terrific. Is he the best manager in the world currently? Yes, he is the best manager in world football. Who else and, is up and- there that he's competing against? Like, if you're if you're gonna say he's the best, who else is up there? Pep. 
I don't even know about Pep anymore, Sam. He overthinks things. <laughs> Fraudiola, baby. No, look, I think he's the best manager in the world. And yeah, I mean, I could go and name a list of managers that are that are awesome. Like, I was only joking about the Pep thing. He is still one of the best managers in world football. You got Julian Nagelsmann, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp. But when you look at the body of work that Tuchel's put together, you look at the mindset of the team, you look at the way we're ticking – you look at how many players he has um, playing at the peak of their powers. Guys like Tony Rudiger, guys like Christensen, guys like Jorginho Kovacic, um, Marcus Alonso. They're all playing out of their skin, probably playing the best football of their careers. Um, so you would be, it would be very hard to find a manager better than him currently. And it's not only his squad management. I mean, we could go on and on about that, but he also has the ability to change things up when he needs to. He always makes the right calls. Bringing in N'Golo Conte completely flipped the game on its head. We dominated the midfield. Um, One thing that should be noted as well is this is a manager that's not afraid to make those calls either. A lot of other managers in world football would normally give that team another 15, the first 15 or 20 minutes of the second half to get their shit together before making the move. Tommy Tuchel does it right away. He doesn't second guess himself. He knows exactly what the team needs to do to find ways, or to, what the team needs to do to beat any particular opponent on any particular day. Um, personally, Sam, I think uh, I I think he's the best tactician in the world, and I think that's what helped him get here. But the thing that surprised me the most is his is his man management and his squad management. Just kind of going back on that. I don't want to harp on it too much because I know Andres will probably bring it up, but. That's something that has really, really impressed me. His ability to make all of these players who we thought were borderline outcasts. We talked about selling Christensen. We talked about selling Rudiger. Um, you know, Marcus Alonso has been on the been on the on his way out for the last three summers. Apparently, um, it's just been absolutely amazing what he's been able to do with this team. Andres. Yeah, I think he's definitely the the best manager in current form. I think. You didn't mention it, but Mancini for Italy, they've broken like the international record for most unbeaten matches in a row, I believe. Not they even won close. the Euros. Uh, I mean, hey, you can't argue with it. I mean, he was a he was also a finalist in the UEFA Coach of the Year. So I'll put yeah. him, Pep, Klopp, and, and Tuchel as the as the cream of the crop right now. But and Zach, sorry, to Andreas, I'm not to cut you off. But, uh, you know, Zach, you're basing a lot of what you, you – how you feel about Tuchel with the results that he's put out. Like Mancini, if you look at the results, he's also it's a top manager thing. in the world. Yeah. No, I was only, I was only being facetious because I know we don't have a lot of Italian listeners. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We, do a lot of, we have a lot of German listeners though, right? We do. We Andres, do. sorry, didn't mean to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Um no, I was going to say right now he has to be considered the best. I mean, we as a club have gone from not being able to defend to like you guys mentioned, the clean sheet numbers have gone up. Then we weren't scoring. Now we're up with Liverpool with the highest goal differential in the league. I mean, it's insane. I, I think even when it's not working, it works. Like we, like you guys mentioned, this wasn't a perfect match. And we won three nothing. Clean sheet, three goals away against a bitter rival. Things like that don't happen unless you have the right guy at the helm. So, yeah. And uh, Tuco's number one. Andreas, uh, Dan Silver tweeted out 
that Tuchel can be better for Chelsea than Mourinho in uh, round one in his first tenure. Do you agree with that statement? Yes. I mean, in six months, he won the Champions League, and he has me dreaming of multiple trophies in his full first season. Yeah, perhaps the uh, treble this year. Yeah, I mean, who knows what version of a treble, but we're for sure going in for it in the league. Um, we should be amongst the favorites for Champions League. There's the Club World Cup. There's the Carabao Cup. There's the FA Cup. I mean, I expect we already got the Super Cup. So, yeah, I expect multiple trophies to to be added to the trophy cabinet, something that our lovely neighbors of, of Tottenham have no idea okay. about. Are we, are we officially counting the Super Cup towards the treble award? That no, we no, 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 no. The treble, <laughs> the real treble is, a, is a domestic cup, the league, the league and the Champions League. But I'm just saying, like, Mourinho counted the Community Shield for his treble at United. Exactly, so if we're going to yeah. compare him to Mourinho, maybe we'll get our We won't need it. Mourinho we won't treble. need it. Zach, what do you think? Trophy's a trophy. I've always said that. I I, I agree with Dan. Um, I think he could be better than Jose. Now, I'm not going to put him there yet because we saw Jose had longevity, obviously. Um, So I want to see Tuchel, you know, put it together for a full season um, before we make that assumption. I think if he wins the Premier League this year, it's, it's a foregone conclusion. He's the best manager we've ever had. Just based on the results and the, and the product on pitch, granted, we're not scoring goals by the boatload, but what we do defensively is unlike, it's almost as good as what Jose did his first time around, if not better. And that's something that I didn't think would have been replicated, um, especially when we brought a manager like Sarian a few years ago. We thought that the days of defensive football were completely over. Um so yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I think I think he is I think he's just as good as a tactician as Mourinho already. Um as Mourinho was, I guess I should say. Big uh, answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's still no, putting no, big he's still put big difference, but but I mean tactician in the sense of they execute their teams execute game plans to the T. And 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 this is also something that I did want to mention too, is you know, you always hear these John Terry quotes about um, how people would, you know, it's the it's the cliche. They would run through a brick wall for him, like like they would go they would go to hell for him. And you get the sense that these Chelsea players would do it with Tuchel too. You can't tell me that Tony Rudiger wouldn't say that about Tommy Tuchel, or that Dave would say that about Tommy Tuchel. Um, I think everybody on this team is just as committed as you know the players on those Jose sides, and that's what made those sides so special. So, I think I think that alone, you know puts him up there with Jose. I mean, they're so comparable in that respect. But yeah, granted, they do have different styles. People say Jose's all, all Jose was all defense, park the bus, say what you will. It is what it is. It's very straightforward. But if you actually watch what Chelsea does under Tommy Tuchel, it's not necessarily defensive football. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, you talked about longevity with Mourinho. So Mourinho was here for three years during round one. And he never won the Champions League, so we're already no, got but I'm... one trophy he never got there. So he got two two league titles. Mm-hmm. So if we get one league title under Tuchel it's done. in the next three years, he's already better than Mourinho in my book. Yeah, I agree. Those two and it's titles... a much more competitive. 
Premier you're, League. You're I talking about have. his first tenure only, or both tenures? Yeah, first first tenure first, only. So uh-huh. round one, Mourinho, who you know when he named himself the special one, and we had <laughs> the record was for the best defense. One. Right, we we had the best defense in the Premier League. I think we still hold that record. Mm-hmm. So. What was During it, like that 15 goals we only conceded across the, whole, the whole season. season. Yeah, unbelievable. And I think for a while he also had the most points. But anyway, the point is he won the league back to back. So if Tuchel wins once the Premier League and has already the Champions League, all the other trophies, I'm not going to add to that same tier. One <laughs> Premier League title, and yeah, Tuchel's already better than round one Mourinho. So no love for uh, Roberto Di Matteo, huh? Champions Tuchel League already did what he did. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But it, same it, time if, frame. Yeah, but if if he if he goes longer and doesn't win a second Champions League, then uh, his his Champions League per seasons is gonna <laughs> ratio. Technically, Di Matteo has two right now, two Champions think, League per season because he got one and a half a season. How <laughs> many games did it take for Di Matteo to get the sack? Well, he, he didn't even last. He didn't finish the season. He was gone yeah. in December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because <laughs> then, because then Benitez came in and we won the Europa League. Yeah. Oh, um. All right. So on to the next question. This one's from Ronnie Ashworth at Kiwi nine eight seven eight five. He says, "I've forgotten what it's like to lose. How many trophies at the end of the season? Pick a number." All right. We we already kind of mentioned it. I'm going to say, if we're counting Super Cup, four. Wow. I like I'd that. Super Cup, I'd say we win the league. We win a domestic cup. We win Club World Cup. And then Champions League. That's five, then. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or Champions. Sorry, I meant or Champions League. The Club World there Cup or Champions League. Yeah. I'm going to say four. I'm going to say four. There's too many, too many competitions. I mean, I know we have great depth, but my God. <laughs> we are cocky as fuck right now. <laughs> Listen, we haven't had more depth than we do now. Yeah. Like, Andres, you mentioned it, um, you know, in, in the Villa preview about how our second team could possibly fare against their second team. Our second team could finish top four in the league. Yeah. Our second team basically Hot did that alert. last year. I said Reece that about James Man City. <laughs> and Chilwell both weren't playing. <laughs> I'll take Mendy City's second playing. team over us, honestly. Their second team is stacked. Um, Our first team versus second team scrimmages must be Really insane. exciting, yeah. And yeah. Ben Chilwell's playing with the second team right now, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about Keppa. Um. Let's get some thoughts uh, from you guys, Zach. I'll start off with you on how well Tuchel has managed him. I mean, it just goes back to what I was saying earlier. We all wrote Keppa off, and we got a lot of crap for it. Some people threw their unwavering support towards it. Say what you will about him. He was absolute dog shit um, until Tuchel came in. I like. Yes, he did have the Europa League where where he had the penalty saves. I mean, that was probably one of the only moments where he wasn't dog shit for us. But then he comes in this season, and whatever Tuchel's done to sort of maintain the peace between a 70 million pound record signing goalkeeper um, and, you know, our 
quote unquote plan B. Um, it's been it's been unbelievable. And to Kepa's credit, he has totally responded to the challenge that Tuchel presented to him. Um, you know, he straight away we knew that he probably wasn't going to be our first team goalkeeper. Um, you know, Mendy would probably, you know, still make the first team over him. But um the performances he's putting in now are actually putting him in contention for more game time, if anything. Um, I feel totally confident waiting it out with Mendy's injury and continuing to play Keppa. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to that. He's playing in front of a confident defense now. The whole squad knows that he's confident as well. So as a result, we're not fucking up and making stupid mistakes at the back like we used to. There's no shaky goalkeeping. There's no shaky claims off crosses or corner kicks. He's going up there with authority. He's not second-guessing himself or the way he plays. And to his credit in this game as well, he had a 1v1 save against Sun, um, which he probably rounds most keepers. But in that case, Keppa was really good at stepping out. Um, even played sweeper keeper um, at one point. So I'm confident in him. I'm not saying he should be our number one goalkeeper, but what I am saying is that, you know, w- we doubted that the talent was, I at least I did. I don't want to speak for all of you guys, but I doubted that the talent was there to begin with. Um, and he is showing us that deep down inside of there, there's a really quality goalkeeper. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if at one point he does eventually challenge for that first team spot. I mean, if he puts, keeps putting in performances like that where he only gets called on twice in a big match and responds both times, um, it's impressive. I mean, I'm not going to say that he's going to battle for the, for the starter I'm saying, job. I'm, I'm saying he could. I'm saying uh, he could. Mendy's number one. I, I don't think that's ever going to be put. But the fact is that the way Tuchel's handled him – we always notice that randomly through a run of games, Tuchel will give Kepa a start. And it's not because it's a Carabao Cup. It'll be a league match. It'll be a Champions League match. And we're like, what in the world? Where did this come from? But sure enough, Kepa will get a start. And since Tuchel arrived, he'll play well. Um, I know for the longest time I was like a Kepa apologist when our defense was in shambles under Frank in the first and second season. But... I mean, there there was there's errors that Keppa has had in his pocket that are on his own, and it just goes to show that much like the striker position, the keeper position relies a lot on confidence, and it's a it's a head game for a lot of it, especially when you're playing for someone like Chelsea where you only get called upon less than a handful of times a match. So, yeah. props to to Tuchel for bringing him back to the right psyche, and and props to Keppa for fighting through the, you know, struggles and, and adversity from all the hate on social media and the fans, et cetera, because we all know how, how toxic it can get. And listen, uh, you guys are talking about, you know, the, the confidence and, you know, and how Zach was talking about how there's, there's not the mistakes, the spillage and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it, it happens to every keeper. Mendy's had his share of mistakes and it hasn't faced him at all. I'm interested to see when that mistake happens for Keppa because I think it is inevitable. You know, it's, he's, he's only human, and we've seen it multiple times before. Whether, you know, Tuchel is able to to keep him in, in this headspace that he's in right now because he hasn't had that mistake or that error 
you know, the air, the bad pass to to the center back or, you know, spilling a shot or coming out for a cross when he shouldn't have. Because we've seen that from him so many times, and that is what shook his confidence. And I'm very curious to see when that happens. And I'm not saying if. I think, you know, when that happens because he's human. And if it doesn't happen, that's better. But if that happens whether Tuchel is able to reel him in and, you know, maintain his head. Uh, you're, Zach, you're muted, Zach. Forgot to unmute myself. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to remember that with AFCON coming, it's going to be huge that Kepa not only keeps getting playing time, but keeps putting up performances like this. Because if we get a confident Kepa with AFCON, I'm pretty confident that we can maintain our form and keep getting results. Um do you it's know like how many song. games? Do you know how many matches it's it's gonna last? Like, is is it is it dependent on how far Senegal goes? Or, I mean, I'm gonna, know? I'm not too sure. I haven't looked into it. I mean, I would assume that group stage would maybe take up about two weeks. Okay. Um, give or take. It the tournament overall is a month. It it would be like January leaking into February. But he's also on a really sick Senegal team. He has Koulibaly at the back, Mane up top. So the final would they be They could miss on... up to nine matches if they go the distance. That's what they say. Yeah, the um, final would be February up. the 6th. And so, there's a lot of matches in January. Okay, so th- in, this is... December? I actually, no, it starts, I have... It goes from the 9th of January to the 6th of... I have all the matches right here. February. I have, I have all the matches that they could miss, okay? So AFCON starts on the 9th. So... This is, this is the list of matches. Uh, so leading up to it, actually, the three before, Liverpool, Carabao Cup semifinals first leg, if we make it there, and then the FA Cup third round. Then AFCON starts. Then we have Carabao Cup semifinals second leg, if we get there. Man City away in the league. Tottenham at home. Uh, we have an international break. And then FA Cup fourth round. Okay, so I don't know where they got the nine matches and from Brighton away. Brighton but it says February sixth, AFCON ends. And then Brighton away is February eighth. So, yeah, he, he wouldn't be playing on the eighth with oh, COVID, true. with travel, with all that. Oh, then 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 that's they would need a week off. You're right. So Brighton away and then Arsenal at home. You okay. could rest him against Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah, Kepo definitely would want to play against Arsenal. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about uh, our center backs because they were absolutely phenomenal. Two of our three goal scorers were center backs. Um, Thiago Silva, Christensen, Rudiger. Thiago Silva with arguably a man of the match worthy performance. Uh, he had that goal off the off the corner. Nearly had a second goal um, as well from a header um, with a great save by Yoris. 100% aerial duels won, it's four out of four. 100% shot accuracy, two out of two. <laughs> From a center back, that's, that's I've never read that stat before when, when going through a center back. Seven ball recoveries, six clearances, five duels won, three interceptions. I mean, the man turns 37 this week. Tomorrow. By the time he, you're listening to this, he'll be 37. He will be 37. Andreas, I mean, like, react to his performance – Given his age and just like everything that's going around it, like how can I, you explain this? He's so good, man. I mean, it's. I think it's time to realize that these athletes are now. 
at least the ones that are truly, truly dedicated to their craft are, are spending the right amount of money and time and effort to battle the, you know, the, the breaking down of the body with age per se. Like this man should have zero reason to be playing this good at 36, 37 years old in the premier league. He just joined the premier league last year. This isn't a John Terry that grew in the league and knows every nick and cranny of the league and knows how it works. He's not a Premier League veteran by any means, yet you feel like he always has been. Um, you went through his stats, so I'm not going to go through that again. Obviously, his leadership is great to have on the field. His passing, um, he had that long pass to Alonso uh, where he had, I believe Alonso like volleyed it in the air, forcing uh, a Uri's save. Um, oh wow, that shot was unbelievable! I wanted that to go in so shot. bad. I know. Alonso's left foot is something else. Alonso had every like time two it goes three. on his left foot, I have to get up out of my seat. <laughs> I like inch forward. But but yeah, his goal made Thiago Silva the second oldest scorer for Chelsea in the Premier League ever. Who's one? Do you wow. know? Yeah, you oh. guys want to take a guess? Is it Drogba? Yep, it was Drogba when he came back uh, after his like stint away. When what a he came great back guess! Let's go. Second. Yeah, it, you know, second stint. Zach, before you you answer the question, uh, I saw a quote. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was an interview that he had when he was on international break about how he really looks up to to Paolo Maldini. You know, a guy who played into his forties at a high level at at AC Milan. So, you know, like trying to emulate that. And the guy, I mean, they played, did they play at the same time at Milan? I don't know if they played together. I don't they know if they played together, but my, he was definitely a, pre, I mean, he's an influence, a right, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Zach, Zach, uh, taking that quote into consideration, I mean, like how much longer can he keep this up? And, you know, especially at this level. It's, uh, it's insane what he's able to do. People talk about Cristiano and what he's able to do at 36 years old. People talked about Danny Alves and what he was able to do at his age at the time. Thiago Silva's right up there in terms of, you know, those more recent modern footballers that just kind of never really seem to to get worse over time. It seems like he's only getting better. Yeah, we can talk about his... uh, his inability to to run as fast or maybe jump as high, but what goes on between the ears only gets better with experience. And he jumped higher than Dele Ali. He he outjumped Dele <laughs> Ali and he beat Eric Dyer. Yeah, he he got in front of Eric Dyer for that too. Um, it is kind of a knock on him actually because because he is pretty athletic for his age. Let's let's be kind of honest. But in the beginning of the game, in particular, I was kind of worried when. You know, maybe the first three or four balls that were played into the channel, Sun had Thiago Silva 1v1. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh, man, you know, it's just going to take it's going to take one half decent ball for, you know, Sun to leave him in the dust. But Thiago sussed out every single pass that came near him, um, even a couple of ridiculous clearances. Positionally, he's as good as I've as I've seen. I think he's up there with with JT. Um, I said it before in terms of how well he positions himself and how well he anticipates the game. I mean, he can kind of see everything play out in front of him, um, you know, three or four passes in advance, and he always finds himself in that right position. I mean, we could go on and on and on and talk about how great of a footballer he is and all his accolades, but to kind of answer the question, I think 
I think he could play into his 40s. Um, At this level, too. I, I, I think, think so. I think, I think if you if he maybe not at Chelsea. Well, think about uh, it this way, Zach. I mean, in, as far as this system goes, you know, mm-hmm. you you when you when you're in the middle of a back three with Rudiger on one side and Andreas Christensen on the other side, and I know Rudiger has 75 pace in FIFA. Don't let that mislead you from the, the high, fact he has that the highest lie ever. Speed. In, yeah. Uh, so far this season. So the, the lack of legs is not going to be an issue when you've got those two guys by your side. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the, the th- like you said, what's behind behind the ears, that's important the most. And that's not going to go anywhere. And if he can stay, well, you know, uninjured, I think he can play until his 40s. Well, well, we saw JT play until he was, what, of a similar age, right? What yeah. age was JT exactly when he retired? I think it was – or when he – I think it was 36. Or 38, 38, yeah. So even when he left Chelsea John. or when he went to uh, – No, when he retired played. altogether. Oh. Yeah, yeah, w- when he retired. But when he left Chelsea, I still think Thiago Silva now is a, is more athletic than JT was. I mean, that's just like oh, – 100%. I think he – so so just based on that and seeing what JT was able to do at his age, I mean, he played in the middle of a Conte back three and didn't really skip a beat with like four pace – um yeah i think he could man I mean, has, has there been a brazilian center back that played at 40 or any brazilian that played on the national team at 40 because if um, not i think he could be the first who's the guy that lucio i don't know if he ever got that old but he just looked old yeah he did. a lot of <laughs> he did play for a long time though. but but i mean yeah, obviously did. we're we're dreaming here because let's be real chelsea is they need a plan for the future. They're not going to continue to give minutes to a guy who's one injury away from retiring if he gets close to his 40s. Like, I, I hate to be the guy that says, like, this dream isn't going to happen based on pragmatism. But at the end of the day, like, we need to get a new batch of center backs. Like, Christensen will be the guy. And then you hope that he learns to to groom the next middle center back if this is the system of the future. So, if anything, I say maybe – two more seasons out of Tiago before he says what's best for the club and what, and I want to keep playing first team minutes is a happy breakup and he'll be 39 and, and riding into the sunset somewhere else. But yeah, I, I, I don't see him coming into his forties and staying here that long. Yeah. To kind of back up what Andres said, I think he, I mean, he, he obviously plays out this season. We know he'll do that at a high level. If anything, he gets one more season after this, and then that's probably curtains on his Chelsea career. But w- one thing I do want to say about Thiago Silva, and I didn't think I could love him any more than I do, but the fact that every time he scores, he kisses the badge. Is that the makes... every time? I think it's the first time. At least he's to kissed, me. He's, I... he's kissed the badge before. Yeah, he's definitely kissed the badge. Well, he pro- hasn't scored. I've probably only scored on one other occasion. I can't even remember. No, he scored. A, he scored a couple. I he, scored he scored a few times. I, I swear, this is the first time he kisses the badge. I've seen him kiss but, the badge for sure before. I don't yeah. have that image in my head. Like you I just remember, the, yeah. You get the sense that he loves us just as much, if not more, than he loved, you know, being PSG. Along. Even PSG, yeah. Um, I, I'm Googling it right now, and the only picture is from this game. I would oh, love because to think those are more recent. No, but it, it Google algorithm. It's because he has the cool hair. 
no no it, it stops and it starts showing lampard aspie drogba like i'll find it for you but even um, it, it even shows diego costa at one point but yeah please if you what did know you that search what did you play. search tiago silva kisses chelsea badge all right let, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up just i think tiago silva kisses badge yeah okay i'll ask this i'll ask this question and i'll look at you guys because you can answer why i'll look that up um so men, I mentioned Rudiger and AC, um, huge performances by them both. Uh, Rudiger took his goal really well, courtesy of Timo's ball. Um, quick, quick shout out to Timo for absolutely shitting the bet in his in his quick cameo. Um, looked uh, debatable. Looked, I thought he looked terrible. I'm like, I thought he was just so bad. But anyway, um, well, we can we can save that for after, but. Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme, he wrote in, uh, ask saying, "We undoubtedly have the best defense in the Premier League. Can we argue that we have the best defense in the world?" So we already said we have the best manager in the world, Andreas. Do we also have the best defense in the world? Yes. Yes, we have the best defensive unit in the world. I'm not going to say we have the best center back or the best outside backs, none of that, but we have the best unit, like the best drilled, the best performing, the best statistically. We have the best defense, easily. I like how you said that. We don't have the best center back. I I never really thought of that because we don't have the best defender in each position per se, right? But that's just kind of a testament to what Tuchel has been able to do, man. But also, you got to credit some of these players, like especially Rudiger. You know, we had the debate a few pods ago about whether or not he's the best center back in the Premier League. Um, he's making the case, guys. The, the performances aren't disappearing. He's getting even more dominant. Um and the fact that he hasn't signed that contract is kind of worrying me a little bit. But, yeah, we, we definitely have the best defense in the Premier League uh, and, and in Europe, no doubt. I don't think anybody really comes close to us at the moment. Speaking of speaking of his contract, I, I hope we just give him what he wants. I, I honestly don't think he is individually outside of the system good enough to get something like David Alaba money which is the the latest big center back contract that I can think of. But I believe he's paid still like below hundred K a week. Mm-hmm. So get this man close to 200 K cause he deserves it. And he's still in his twenties. So one last big contract and, and we tie him down to, to be here into his thirties and, and just move on. Like there's no reason why we shouldn't be signing Rudiger. And these, the lit, these, the lit rumors are pissing me off too. Like I love him. <laughs> no, I I don't want. I like I don't the want, like the rumors. No, because I just want I want to just extend Rudiger. What we have right now is an amazing thing. I don't want to bring someone else in. I don't know how he's gonna fit can, into the system. We have we well, were talking about having the best defense in the world. Why do we want to change it up? <laughs> just well, pay well, the guy we make, have. You can make the case that Delict could even play in the middle, and Christensen did really well on the right. Let's not forget that. How about how about Christensen playing well on you know either side of that middle center back? I mean he's really kind of come into his own in those positions as well. He's starting to take up more attacking positions and fill in that half space that Aspie and Rudiger like to step into. He's great at pinging passes. Took a shot on target today. Took a shot in this match. 
and and yeah, and, and there was another time where he received the ball outside the box and you could hear the away end go shoot. So now every time he gets the ball, he's going to do that because of his, you know, banger at the Euros. No, or because Trevor Chalaba already scored a banger from that same spot this <laughs> All season. All of our, our center backs are our second best striker. On our, have on have our all of our center backs scored at this point? No, Except Christian. We have, we have 10 different goal scorers, though, this season, which is insane. Wow. Um, all right, let's talk about the struggles. Um, Mason Mount and Kai Havertz, they, you know, two out of a front three, did not look up for the match. Very disappointing, especially Mason Mount, who was taken off at half, um, as we mentioned earlier, for N'Golo Conte. Only completed one of his three dribbles, one out of five goal, uh, sorry, one out of five ground duels won. Um, I mentioned last week that I didn't like how he was, he wasn't being aggressive. He didn't take a single shot and he took a shot, I think, uh, this match and then had that one, two between, um, Lukaku. So I think he took two, two shots. So he was being more aggressive. Um, but overall, was was probably one of again one of his worst performances. And guys, it's 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 so far into the season, Mason Mount hasn't really put together a really strong performance. I I heard someone say I forgot who it was that 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 the the fame has gone to his head was it one of you guys oh my god i I fucking hate that take so much Uh, i don't it's early season it's early season he partied at the end of the of the preseason he got a bunch of well he partied after losing the euros is that what he was doing yes they all did they all went to mika they all went crazy afterwards and and like think about it he went in won the champions league then had the crazy euros that england had like his stock has never been higher. He's never posted that much social outings in his Instagram before. Like, I'm not saying that, like, Mason Mount is now not going to be a hardworking player. I'm just saying that the offseason he had caught up to him, and he needs to get back into the, the middle of things. Or he played a shit ton of football, the most football, um, for Chelsea in the last three seasons. I think that might have a little bit to do with it. For me, it's more of a burnout thing. He just doesn't look like he has the same pop um, that he normally does. He's not running around with that same energy and verve. Like it seems like there's something, like like there's something missing. Um, and I think it's I, I think it's just due to the fixture pileup, man. The guy's played a lot of minutes. He's the he's literally the catalyst of our press since Tuchel came in. Um, and we all know we all know his work rate, so maybe it's catching up to him a bit. And I know this is something that Tuchel has talked about before as well. He's talked about managing Mason. Um, I think it was recently, even this week, if I'm not mistaken, where he talked about um, you know how there was how there were worries um, discussed between the coaching staff about how many minutes he was playing, um, and that Tuchel said you know he's like we're really fortunate that he's still available at this point. So. I think that has a little bit to do with it. It might be not necessarily fitness, but more so of just him being kind of run to the ground because he's been asked to play in virtually every single match he's been available for. The only matches he's really missed was the stupid protocol, uh, COVID protocol at the Euros. Um, he he the, didn't start the first few matches for Chelsea either, though. 
no, he didn't no. start the first when, one. When when Tuchel came in, he didn't. He wasn't starting right away. Oh I no, I, I meant I meant this season, like coming back, the Super mm-hmm. Cup and such. He was. Yeah, I mean, I mean that has to do with the Euros. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I mean, one sure thing is like, listen, I, I, listen, he posted pictures of himself and Mykonos. I'm sure he drank a little, partied a little, gained a couple pounds. But no, he doesn't strike me as the type. He doesn't strike me as the type of person that's going to show up. And, you know, I see that more in Chilwell. I've said that before. I think yeah. Chilwell's the one that really went and, and, and went on the hazard diet uh, post year. And again, I'm not saying like he came back fat. I'm saying like every summer before this summer he had a chip on his shoulder to prove his worth. This is the first summer where the the storyline about Mason Mount changed altogether, and he just got a hot head. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying he's out of shape. I'm saying that perhaps that energy and spark you're saying he's missing is because now he's a household name, and he just needs to – he just got whacked down to earth. He got pulled at halftime. I think now we'll see our Mason Mount back. Because I, he, he is not untouchable at this point. He got is, pulled at half. That's something, yeah, I agree, 100%. He, and he's and he should go to the eye doctor, because if you keep missing the ginormous six-foot-four figure of Lukaku in the final third, you have a problem. <laughs> or he just, if he keeps missing the ball when it's squared to him in front of an open goal, that too. Um, I do agree, though. I think I think all it takes for a player like Mason Mount is to get yanked at halftime once. To snap, snap himself back. back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sam talked way, about it last pod. He, if, if we're not worried about anybody bouncing back, I think Mason mounts the pick. Um, we, well, talking about Kai Havertz, um, Ron wrote in another question saying, bad question from Kai and Mount. I know they haven't played with Big Rom much, but their individual decision-making has been very questionable. Should we be worried? So Zach already said, He's not worried about Mason Mount. Uh, Andreas, are you worried about Kai Havertz? I mean, it, it, he looked lost. Oh, zero out of three dribbles completed. He won one out of his ten ground duels. He failed to win a single aerial duel out of six attempts. Uh, and then came off for Timo and was it the 70-something minute. Um, are you, is, is, is Kai someone that we should be worried about? He he definitely looked one dimensional in this in this match. And again, like I hate to to like judge one performance. Obviously he hasn't looked good in a while, but I feel like not having Reese James is really hurting whoever's playing up in the front because Aspie doesn't make the same darting runs that Reese James does. And he also doesn't have the pace to beat somebody on the dribble, much like Reese James can as well. So that front three might be hurting a little bit from the fact that our wingbacks aren't being as much of a threat. Um, Neither of these guys scare me in the long term. I think both of them will be okay, but I think both of them need to wake up. And the fact that I've noticed Kovacic be the player that connects with Lukaku in one twos the most to get himself into the box I think that's backwards because the people that are so close to Lukaku are Mount and Havertz. The guys that should be benefiting from those sort of passes are those two guys. And one of our double sixes is doing it. So I think it's just their approach. I know that last season, again, like they had to kind of put things in their own shoulders and make things happen. Like we talked about Mount not looking for Lukaku and and kind of forcing his way into the box. Uh, I say, Kai might be doing a little bit of the same. 
Um, maybe he's not getting himself into the box as much. I feel like he was drifting to the outside of the box where Reese James usually is. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure why the disconnect is there, but I I hope that it's only a time thing and, and that that'll get situated. Zach, what do you think? Something about left-footed players, man. They have this ability to just be so good on one day and so crap on the next. Kai's, I'm going to be, it might sound kind of harsh, but Kai wasn't just struggling in this game. He was he was arguably our worst player. I think he was our worst After player. Aftermount. Kai's trying to dribble. Kai's trying to beat players for pace. He's trying to tap the ball around them and beat them for pace. If I see another one of those lazy-ass attempts to tap the ball around a defender and beat him in a foot race, I'm 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 gonna kill him. I mean, he's doing that at the halfway line all the way on the wing. Um, it's just like Andres said, it's not the positions you want to see him in. With Kai, it's more of a he's at his best when he doesn't necessarily have a certain position, but he's just sort of feeling out the game and the ball finds him. And I feel like right now he's just trying to force things and make things happen that just aren't necessarily there. And I can see what you're saying about the Reese James thing, Andres, because when Reese James does occupy the wings, it forces Kai to come inside. And then obviously that's where he flourishes, right? Right. Um, So I, I can definitely see that. I wonder if that'll have the same impact if we decide to play Cho out there. Maybe not against Man City, um, but that could possibly be another potential option. But here's the thing. I would even argue that based on Kai and Mason Mount's performances, none of them warranted a start against Manchester City. Um, so who do you who do you really play there? I mean, a guy like Cho hasn't really got his fair share up top. And I think that's something that somewhere where he can really you know it's his natural position let's not kid ourselves well so one thing i one thing i did notice was in the second half whenever we switched to three five two i think the wingbacks felt more comfortable pushing forward on in possession and it almost looked like a three three four because kovacic and conte were so wide in possession as a as a backwards option then kai looked a little bit more comfortable again like you said he now positionally has to be more central and he started finding himself again so again i think if our if our wingbacks aren't getting up the pitch and and covering those spaces then both mount and kai are going to take up positions where what's best about their skill set goes to waste because like you said they're not going to be the quickest or fastest guys on the dribble they're guys that finish that get in the right places in the box or that can find that final pass sometimes in the box so yeah, I, I think that making sure that our wingbacks are in that wide space, like like I'm not saying Aspie played poorly, but Aspie naturally doesn't cover that space. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And same with Alonzo. Alonzo drifts central. Mm-hmm. Well, well, they just don't cover the ground quick enough. I, I, it's it's a pace thing. They don't they don't they don't turn on the jets per se. They kind of have one gear. As Nick yeah. Lenartson says, Alonso. <laughs> yeah. But but even but even without the speed, Alonso just gets in the box. Like Alonso yeah. plays to score. Alonso doesn't play to to set up others. Yeah, position. Well, that's why Alonso's. it's nice having Rudy on the left side. Because he can all yeah. he can he's like a hybrid he's, fullback. He's done that a few right. times, man. Yeah. 
having to recover. Yeah. I mean, he's just a monster at that, but... I want to I want to talk about Timo real quick. We got a question from uh, Kirill's Medvedev on Twitter. Um, Shout out Kirill's. He says, "What's up with Timo? The guy's so frustrating in front of goal, but as soon as he came on, we started creating chance after chance. He also picked up an assist. Enigmatic. Should he be playing more? I I mean, it's it's so night. I mean, I was so frustrated with what I saw from him beyond the assist." He had two or three chances in front of goal that, I mean, this guy's a striker, guys. I, I'm judging him as a striker, okay? I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm being unfair with my treatment of him, that he's a striker. He's a goal scorer. We've seen what he did in Germany. He was a clinical finisher. And this guy doesn't know how to poke a ball up over a, a, an outstretched Yoris on the ground. He hits it right to him. And there was, he had two or three chances that he squandered. He just completely missed that a clinical goal scorer like Lukaku would have put away. And it's like crazy to see the contrast between a guy like Lukaku out there, one of the most clinical finishers that we've seen uh, put on a Chelsea uniform already. Um, and Mason, I mean, <laughs> Mason, Allen, and Timo Werner. I mean, you guys were both defending him when I was talking shit about him earlier. Zach, what do you see that I don't? I mean, look, he's still getting himself into the right positions. He's still making, at least he's making the right runs now. Last season we criticized him. You know, some of the runs he was making was forcing himself into wide positions. Granted, he is playing in a strike partnership now instead of, you know, a triad for lack of a better word. So, I liked I did like what I saw. I'm I'm not going to lie. The finishing could be better at the time I saw the first touch, especially on that second chance he had where his touch just completely let him down. Um you know, I I was the first person to jump in a group chat and say any of us would have finished that. But it just makes you think if Kepa's able to sort of suffer one of the biggest identity/confidence crises we've ever seen, Who's to say that Timo possibly can either? And Kepa it's not probably like got Timo's... more slander. Kepa probably it... got more slander than Timo too. Exactly. And here's the thing. Kepa wasn't doing anything right. This is something that we said about Timo, especially last season. Even though he's not scoring goals, he's picking up assists. And the team was struggling. ways the... to impact the game. The team was struggling also when Kepa was playing poorly. And with Timo, the team was still playing fine, even though he was playing like shit. So... You know, like yeah, we so, weren't we weren't as hard on him because we were still pulling out victories. I'm not saying that he because look, last week I was the one saying that I think Zia should be ahead of him in the pecking order even. But I'm not saying that he should start every game. What I am saying is that as an option, at the end of matches when teams are stretched, there is probably nobody better to call upon in terms of just pure pace. I mean, you can use him as a pace merchant off the bench just like we did here. If he gets any sort like I'm not even talking about him being an informed striker. If he gets any sort of form, bag a couple goals, it's a win for us. And then who knows? Maybe we drive his price tag up on one end, or maybe he plays himself back into the team. Because what we saw from him in Germany, we were we, we were talking about solving our striker problem when we brought him in. So 
who's to say that he can't regain that form again? I, I, I don't think it's done and dusted with him. I'm just as frustrated at, at him as you guys are in terms of the finishing. But you can't criticize his production in terms of providing the assist. And when he does come into the matches, he's still committed to the cause. He's not flopping around like Murata and bitching to the ref every five seconds. The guy still puts his head down and works. And to his credit, when all else is gone, that's all you can really do. Yeah, I mean, I'm. here's my thing. So far, Timo has um, – he's played 180 minutes of football this season. That's it. He – I believe the number exactly is 183. Um, in 183 minutes, he has an assist. I think that's already more than the rest of our front three options surrounding Lukaku, which is insane. I get it. The finishing is not there. It isn't. But even last season, I don't know what it is, but I felt that when Timo was on the pitch, the team, for some reason, blended better. I don't know why. The assists, like Zach says, continue to be there. I don't know if people really just freak out about his pace. I don't know. But the fact remains that we get positive results when Timo plays. And that's the craziest thing about this. Like, Kirill's had it right. It's enigmatic. I, I don't I, – I can't explain it because he isn't individually lighting it up. But then he comes on and somebody else scores from something he did. Or, you know, there was even a time where he made a run. There was The ball went to the left side, and he made a run that would have been dangerous had he received the pass, but then Alonso decided to pass it to Kovacic. But that run made two center backs follow a runner for 20 yards, giving then Kovacic 15 yards of running space. Like it, it's those things that I feel like make Timo then eventually get the chance to create an assist. Champions I'm, League I, final. He he I, pulled he pulled the center backs apart to make right. that to 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 show that run to uh, Havertz. That's the only reason why Havertz had so much space. And it goes again, like, at this point, I really don't think Timo's ever going to score that many goals for us because, like you said, Sam, the, the finishing is not there. And the difference between here and the Bundesliga is that Timo's not going to get himself 10 yards of space by timing a run perfectly. He's already said it. Defenders here are bigger, faster, and his speed is not as much of a weapon. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that he now is the... The, the alpha is Lukaku and Timo has to be the beta. And, and if he gets assists this season, I'll be happy with that because he isn't playing striker anymore. He's playing yeah. off of the striker. It I just makes trend. you think about, sorry, Sam, it, it, one more thing. It just kind of makes you think about what um, kind of impact Pulisic would have if he played in a strike partnership mm -hmm. up top too, because that's another guy that has similar. He's pace. who I want to get. I want to start against City. But, but he has end product, man. Like, if Pulisic got those opportunities, he's putting at least one of them away, if not both, clinically. Like, he has end product. That's That debate has been ended. But, uh, yeah, I I, I still want to see Timo come on late in games, man. When teams are stretched, he's a nightmare. I just need to train my brain into accepting the fact that he's not a, a pure striker anymore. He's, he's that, would you say, off striker, Zach? That's, yeah, that's I mean, he good... plays. He, he always pl he did well playing off a striker. Yeah, yeah, just below them. 
All right, let's talk real quick, wrap up uh, the, the match recap uh, on uh, the second half and the Conte effect real quick and just how incredible he was, the goal, um, just the immediate, immediate impact that bringing him on the pitch had, um, especially, you know, the, the change in formation, taking out Mason Mount um, and putting him on uh, somehow leading to three goals when you would think that it would just improve our defense. Zach, what do you think about all that? Spot on. I don't think Tommy Tuchel's made one tactical mistake this season that he hasn't remedied. Um, it's funny, when you bring on a player like Conte, if you're not a Chelsea supporter, um, you would ask, why is Chelsea being so defensive? But the funny thing is, we became way more attacking when he came on. Um, he just kind of never stops surprising us with what he provides on the pitch. And I, I, I mentioned it last pod and, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to flex here because I, I was kind of spot on, but I said, you know, we kind of have to accept that Conte is, you know, might not be healthy all 38 matches of the season and that we might have to wrap him up in some bubble wrap and only bring him out for the big matches. If he was completely healthy, he would probably be starting this match. I think we could all agree on that. But my point then was you have the luxury of doing it with Conte because he is so fucking good. Um, and he kind of proved it here. The guy hasn't played any football in God knows how long. Comes into probably one of the most intense matches of the season and uh, and, and completely performs and shines. And, um, you know, his distribution was great. He looked like he was moving really well on his ankle as well. Um, I'm just happy to have him back. The guy is the guy is unbelievable, and I I think it's I hate to bring this up, but I think it's really important that we find that quote unquote successor to him um, because what he gives us is it's not going to be easy to replace. It it's just, impossible. I, it there's no one be. out there. There's no there's no other N'Golo Kante. We can, we can we can replace some parts of it, but there won't be another one ever. I I don't think in our lifetimes. Andres, we, we, do you have any thoughts you wanted to add on to that? Uh, I mentioned it earlier. I think that in the first half, um, our wing backs weren't when they did push forward. Then our midfield got split too far apart. So bringing in him, bringing him in in the third in, to be the third in the middle, uh, allowed us to to defend any sort of transition from Spurs correctly. And then on the ball, it was almost like a 3-3-4. And the guys that benefited the most were Alonzo and Aspie. So, again, Conte does the work for so many players. Key, adding him adds, you know, bringing him into the midfield. Kovacic can cover for Alonzo, and then Conte covers for both Jorginho and for Aspie. So... Yeah, he is someone that if we can figure out how to keep N'Golo Conte healthy throughout the whole season, those trophies that we guessed earlier will be a done deal. All right, let's move on to the Twitter questions. So here's our first one from at Black Emoji. He says, we had success with the old guard uh, during the Eden Hazard era. How much do you think the Academy era can achieve over the next few years? So, uh, unfortunately, we've lost one part of the Academy era with uh, Tammy going to uh, Roma. But a big part of it is still intact. 
Uh, <laughs> Zach, how much do you think we can achieve over the next few years? I know we talked about this year, but future tense. Will we retain all these players, and will they help lead us to success? We will we will experience a lot of success, man. I mean, we already won a Champions League when we had, what, two academy players starting? We had Mount and Reese. Um, and Christian, we had an academy player come in because of injury, completely cold and absolutely performed to the T. Um, I will be surprised if this group doesn't challenge for another Champions League or two. Um, I'll be shocked if they don't win. I mean, this is a hypothetical that they stay together for the next five to seven years. I'll be shocked if we don't challenge for four or five leagues. Um, I think I, I just think the success is there. It, it's literally there on a silver platter. All we got to do is really just kind of stay healthy and um, make sure that we retain our players. And I think it's inevitable because you look especially at our academy guys, nobody, how are we going to upgrade in some of those positions? You know, I would argue that, yeah, maybe you can upgrade Mount, but the player he's going to become is not worth upgrading him. Same thing with Reese James. <laughs> and it, it even goes to Christensen, who's kind of coming into his own now. I think Christensen might be approaching the top of his game very soon. Um, you can't upgrade those guys. And if you do, they're going to cost you possibly three figures. Um, so yeah, I, I would say another Champions League or two, at least, you know, where we are one of, if not the strongest team in Europe, and then many, many, many more league titles, a couple of FA, FA Cups, sprinkle in some Carabao, a little bit of Super Cups if we win the Champions League again, it would be nice. Yeah, I took this question a little differently because the old guard was individual players right you know check terry lampard drogba ivanovich if you want to add him to the to the list the the academy area era for me is more of a like a longev like a longer project because it's not just tammy reese mason formerly tamori it's the guys that are still yet to come right you know trevor chalaba is already making his pushing his way in. We don't, we still don't know what Cho will become. Uh, Levi Colwell at Huddersfield, Connor Gallagher with Palace, Gilmore at Norwich. Those are guys who are still under the Chelsea umbrella. Those are guys that are going to make it into this, this team. We talk about upgrading positions. Gilmore will be an upgrade to Jorginho when his time comes. Gallagher, the guy's already balling. I mean, if, if he can play deeper imagine a Kovacic that scores goals <laughs> like Levi Colwell he can be an outside center back in a back three uh there's still that Xavier Mwamba guy who we still really don't know much about because his ACL tour the first year he was here uh the, the list goes on and on and on but the, the academy is a priority now and proof comes to you know comes back and back and back when when one of those guys gets minutes in the first team so, yeah, I think there's plenty of success to come, and, and I'll take it further than the next three years. I think there's no way we'll have a year like 2015 where we drop to 12th place. Like, we will be in the top four pushing for titles every single season. So we won't become Arsenal is what you're saying? 
Thank God. Oh, no, not a chance. Uh, and I'm not going to leave you unchecked for that um, Billy Gilmore, Jorginho comment, how you said when his time comes, he will definitely be better than Jorginho. That's... I'll stand by it. Okay. I just I just wanted to, you know, say something for the listeners at home. We're <laughs> like, what the hell is Andreas talking about? I heard it too. Okay, the Scottish Iniesta. <laughs> I heard it too. Uh, all right. Next question. This one's from Leonard R. Cohen. <clears throat> and it, it seems like he wrote it in Yoda's voice as well. But I'm not going to do Yoda's voice. I'm going to do the Leonard Cohen because uh, I don't know. <clears throat> Dear Pod, with a long pass from the defensive block, David Luiz would start many a Chelsea attack. Is that, oh, that's actually more Shakespeare than Yoda. Shakespearean. <laughs> um, Shakespeare, is this, yeah. Is this, is this skill set something Chelsea are now missing, missing given the acquisition of Romelu Lukaku? One of you guys mentioned uh, Thiago Silva's long ball. Yeah. Um, is that, I haven't thought about I haven't thought about David Luiz since he left. <laughs> we're not a count, we're not a counterattacking we're not a pre- predominantly counterattacking team, so that's a big difference. You don't need David Luiz to ping it over the back four and Hazard to get there or Diego Costa to get there. Thiago Silva can do it. Uh, we've seen Rudiger do it at times. Uh, Kovacic lying deep like this in essence, like a center back Christians playing a long ball. Yeah, I think I, I, I don't think we need to go long ball to score goals anymore that's the short that's the long answer but yeah i mean it's we just need guys to keep it neat and tidy not ping it 40 yards 50 yards diagonally every time they get it all right next question this one is another one from russell um shout out to, oh no, yeah, i haven't read any russell questions but thanks again russell for the hats um yeah huge shout out to russell I said, how fucking sweet is it to beat both North London clubs away already to begin the season? I haven't even thought of that, but that is pretty freaking sweet. Um, we need to back this up and beat Man City on Saturday. Not really a question, but it's pretty sweet, huh, guys? It's uh, it's always sweet. You know, I loved Rudiger's dance because I felt like that was really <laughs> indicative of what we actually did to Spurs. Is that a pun? Dick pun? Because he looked it like he was humping the air. Indicative. <laughs> because I, what we did was essentially bend them over and uh, violate them. So, yes, it's always sweet doing that to uh, to Spurs. But I just wish they could have fucking done it the one time in my life I went to Stamford Bridge. I'll never, never, ever let them let that one down. Mm-mm. Uh, all right. This next one is from Prash uh, Prashant. He says, "When will we start winning six nil? Hashtag missed chances. Leave it to Prash. <laughs> Leave it up to Prash for the for the <laughs> negative question on a three nil victory against our London rivals. Hashtag missed chance. Yeah, sure. I think. Actually, I don't. I don't. I don't know." It's, it's, we could it's, have won by six. But will could've. we ever see, like, this season? Yes, we will. I mean, I think, against I think a top, we'll catch... topish club. We have a striker that could get four on his own. So we'll have a chance. We, I, I don't know if it'll happen against the top six because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a little wuss when it comes to playing the, the top six. Yeah. And, and City is going to be 
you know, we've seen it before. It'll be 2-1 or 1-0, something along those lines. Um, we tied Liverpool. We should have be- beat Liverpool if we had 11 players. Heck, we should have beat them with 10. We could have <laughs> done them 3-0. The, the six, the way we I think this, the 6-0 will come against one of those mid-table sides that likes to play progressive football and naively tries to go toe-to-toe with us. So, like, perhaps a Brentford... Or Leeds. perhaps, uh, yeah, Leeds, Leeds. Leeds would be a great game to do it. <laughs> I was going to say Southampton as well. Leeds, yeah. But Leeds and Southampton aren't mid-table right now. They're a lower table. Uh, yeah. Uh, Zach, anything you want to add to that? No, I think uh, you guys covered it. I, it's going to come. It's just... Yeah, against you, against so relegation long. side Juventus, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that, oh. that's that's the another bottom uh, bottom half team. Remember, remember, when, uh, they yeah, got, yeah, remember right. when Cristiano made them worse? That's <laughs> <laughs> a hot take, Zach. Honestly, <laughs> that was the stupidest take I ever heard in my life. The guy's the most lethal finisher I've ever seen. All right, let's talk a he little. He makes a team worse. Oh, one more. Question. He makes Man United worse too. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't he hasn't really done much for them. Four goals in three matches. Um, for Lingard. <laughs> uh, before I get into the last question, it was pretty funny to see Jesse Lingard bounce back from that pass uh, to score the game-winning goal against the club that rejuvenated his career last season uh, at West Ham. That was funny. Um, he didn't celebrate, so props. I know he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. Um, but that was a nice goal. Um, speaking of goals, another question from Russ. What goal celebration does N'Golo need to use? His massive smile is probably enough, but maybe a moonwalk <laughs> or Mbappe arms crossed, smiling face with sunglasses? Or you guys you guys know my answer, right? He walks Which up to what? the he walks up to the camera. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so well, you don't know whether he's saying thank you to everyone or if he's saying fuck you. It's a mystery. Fuck you. I want, I want the team to build a human bicycle and for him to ride a bicycle. <laughs> oh, that's, so good. that's what I'd like to see. That's so I good. The, I, I think the realistic one that he could do, and it's minimal effort, which is very Angola, would be like, because he's already smiling. Just put your hand up and wave. Just wave. <laughs> Do you know slide? how crazy we the, everybody would go if he did something as simple as just put both arms up? I, no, I, <laughs> people would go nuts. The roof would blow. Or if there was a roof, it would blow slide. up. Oh, um, I can't. I lit- I cannot even envision him celebrating. I can just imagine him smiling and acting like awkward and uncomfortable as the whole team runs up and goes crazy from. We should. Like, oh, we should start a go. We should start like a. <laughs> We should start like a GoFundMe or something to his favorite charity and just have every Chelsea fan donate. And if we raise a certain amount of money, let's say like a million dollars, the next time Conte scores, he takes off his shirt, swings it above around his head, (laughs) and just runs and slides to the corner flag. Zach just wants to see a shirtless N'Golo Conte. He's willing to raise a million dollars. (laughs) I'm telling you, it just makes you think. Imagine what the crowd would do if he actually celebrated. I can't. The thing is, like, maybe he's celebrating, but because the team always gets so crazy and, like, huddles him, we just never see it. No, he's always very timid, <laughs> and he's always like, what did I do? <laughs> did I just score? Oh, fuck you. 
I love my uh, Conte impression. It's so bad, but so good. All right, well, the next section is what you guys previously recorded. So uh, to our listeners, enjoy the Villa preview. All right, so now we're moving on to the uh, Villa preview. Obviously, we do have them uh, at midweek here um, in the Carabao Cup. So, Andres, um, last time we played Villa, um, it was earlier this month, a little, actually, I believe it was a little more than a week ago. Um, We beat them 3-0, obviously. Um, But speaking of 3-0s, Villa's coming off of uh, their own big result at the weekend against Everton, and we were just talking about it off air. Um, I actually had the chance to watch that game, and let me tell you something. Aston Villa is a pretty impressive side this year. They got they brought in some good players. They, I think they invested really well after the Grealish uh, after the Grealish sale, which not a lot of clubs um, can do that after selling their big name star. But besides that, um, we go back to our three 0 win against them, and uh, it was a scoreline that might have flattered to deceive right that's something we talked about on the podcast it wasn't your traditional 3-0 romping like this Tottenham match was it was more along the lines of uh we were really um we were only beating them 1-0 we probably should have been down 2-1 at one point um and then obviously we get two late goals so Andres let's uh let's talk about Villa a little bit how do you feel about this match uh I feel good I feel good because they just came off, like you said, the Everton match. They're traveling to the bridge. And if it was a league match, I'd be like, okay, they're going to bring out their best 11. But the situation is it is a cup game, and they have Man United next weekend. So mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to come out with all their eggs on this basket because Villa is also, you know, they're 10th right now, but they're only three points from top six. Mm-hmm. So... I think their main priority at this point is the league. So for me, I mean, their their last Carabao Cup match, they they brought out like like a whole backup team. I mean, I I looked it up and I I knew Tuanzebe or or whatever the correct pronunciation of that guy's name is, and mm-hmm. and El Ghazi. Everyone else was oh, and Matt Target. Everyone else was just a, a complete new name to me. I don't even think Matt Target's technically a first-teamer anymore for them now that they signed Ashley Young. And the team they played was Barrow. (laughs) I don't even know. They're in League 2, so obviously it's a a much weaker uh, side. But at the same time, like I said, I think if they play their full starting team this this midweek, then they're basically... Throwing the weekend away. Exactly. They would be throwing away the match against United, which will also be an away game. And in I mean, my opinion, a much more winnable game. So mm-hmm. I I just think that maybe we'll see a few starters here and there. Our second team is basically still a Premier League worthy first team. So the difference between the two clubs is that we can battle in all fronts. And I think Villa should prioritize the Man United game. Yeah, I think they will. Um, but with that being said, I mean, obviously they're big uh performance at the weekend i guess you could say came from one of their new purchases leon bailey um we were actually we were linked with him for a few summers now um (laughs) obviously the move never panned out he winds up going to aston villa comes off the bench last weekend scores immediately um and then gets taken out 
gets an assist and then gets pulled. Yeah. So does this guy start against us? I no. think I think he does. He's hurt. I, did, did he really get injured? I mean, he only played 20 minutes. He got pulled because there was like a potential oh. issue with his leg or something. Oh, well, I know he didn't start the match. He came in off the bench. I'm going to look right. it up really quick. And then he got taken off like 20 minutes later. So he was hurt. I don't know if they would risk him. Again, if you're going to if you're going to be thinking like Leon Bailey's my wild card, why would not save him for Man United and let him rest for a full week? True. I would say yeah. I mean, I would say after that performance for me at least, I mean, it's a foregone conclusion that the guy's probably going to be a starter for them. So yeah. Um September 18th this is uh, what their um, what their manager said. He said, we hope it's just a tight thigh. That's what he said to the doctors. So we didn't need to risk it at that time. We just hope we just caught it in time and it's a tight quad. So as of right now, there's no return date. Um, so he might not be available for that game. So Andres, you might be correct there. But regardless, um, I still think these cup matches could be tricky. And let's not forget, they're still a Premier League side. So... Regardless, if they have names that we know or we don't know, I don't think we should be taking them for granted by any stretch because we know how crazy these cup uh, these cup tournaments are. So um, let's put our stamp on it. What are what are we predicting here? I'm going to nil Chelsea. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I think I'm I'm, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna go two nil as well, um, and I'm gonna speak for Sam and say two nil. So clean sweep. Looks like it's going to be 2-0. Um, if you're not following us already, make sure you are at Roman's Empire Pod on Twitter. Um, we've also been getting some emails lately, which has been great. So if you want to email us, let us know how you found the show, how you became a Chelsea fan, your favorite Chelsea memory, or even if you just want to give us um, some criticism. We love all of it. We want all that smoke. So RomansEmpirePod at gmail.com. Make sure you're following us both. And uh, as we mentioned earlier in the pod as well, we did get some hats in from our good friend Russ of the Melbourne Blues. We are looking to give them away to some of our lucky listeners here. So um, make sure you check our Twitter for uh, for the tweet regarding our hat giveaway. Um, and we also uh, will post some details on how to get one there as well. So until next week, keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>